So uh, one of the things I just want to share with you guys is something you can be proud of um, in Tyler and Caitlin and youth ministry leaders is there are many people in life that will complain about certain things, like the generation of people and the generation of young people, and you know, like they need this and they need that, and, and we sit around and say, man, I hope they get better. There's that type of a people. And then there's our youth leaders who said, I'm going to invest my life to give them a different chance, right? And so they have sacrificed, given, prayed for, poured into um, the youth of this community to give them a chance, you know, to understand what it means to love Jesus Christ, not only to love Christ, what it means to invest into and take opportunities to reach your friends. We've said that from the beginning here at Life Church. Life Church grows one relationship at a time, right? It grows because you took responsibility in saying, I have some neighbors and I have some friends and I have some people in my life and, I, and they need Christ and so I want to be a part of that journey. And so Life Church has grown from that. Again, we started not knowing anybody and it was one relationship at a time and our youth is carrying on that same thing and they're watching their leaders pour into them and invest, and then they're turning around and doing it. You know, again, you always pray. You ever have those times like you pray for those days? This is one of those days, right, to be able to see, you know, a youth band and youth leadership and just to be able to see something just people persevere. I mean, that's been Tyler and Caitlin and his team, you know, pushing through and trusting and, you know, it's like everything. It's not easy, and they know it. Their youth leaders know it, but I'm really proud of them for what they have done and how they pushed through. Now, the thing that Life Church has continually said, and we will continue to say this, is that this is for all of us as adults and especially for those who are kids. We're here as a church to remove obstacles or barriers to, to allow you to reach your friends. Right, so whatever that is, you know, we're going to help you in whatever way that we can. That whole acts of love and, you know, the things that we do with that and giving opportunities to remove barriers. Well, it's the same thing in youth, right? There are kids out there, and if kids are inviting kids and money's an issue, it better not be an issue, right? Like, that just can't be an issue. Money should never be an issue when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the whole idea of what, you know, selling, you know, the, the peanut clusters out there and the idea of, of partnership is to say, we need to give our youth kids and their leaders the ability to say, there are no barriers, right, in reaching this community for Jesus. And that's what we're praying for. Now, one of the perks of my job, <clears throat> so you know how I was talking about the peanut clusters? This is what they look like. Yeah, Wolves, right. <laughs> yeah, Keely made them, and Troy, who was leading her husband, said, don't eat that whole thing, man, or you're going to go bonkers. But they are good. <laughs> so make sure that you get one of these on the way out and support youth ministry and, you know, again, maybe Valentine's present, something, you know, you could get one for. But I think there are a few left. There are a few left out there. Do what? And there'll be more next week. Now, this is the problem. I did this in the first service, and I kept trying to talk the whole time, and it was like a little chipmunk. Now, there's chocolate built up on the side, so hold on a second. <clears throat> All right, I'm good. All right, so let's get back into and talk about the Mastermind series. That's what we've uh, been discussing. And the reason that we've been discussing it 
is this idea that if we can change the way that you think, then we can change the way that you act. And we have said from the beginning that this is really something that the world has always known. Um, and when I study this whole idea of like how we um, think changes the way that we react or do things in life, one of the things that I've been surprised on is how easy it is to get people to think a certain way. You know what I mean? Like how easy it is to change um, someone's thinking. And the idea that, you know, marketers and people in that world are trying to get us to buy stuff and do stuff have known this forever. And the more that I study this, the more that I would look is like, our minds, if they are not grounded, are easily swayed. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you don't know where you stand and you don't know what you believe, people's minds are easily swayed. And again, because people know this, there is a war for your mind, right? Like right now, there is a war for your attention, okay? If we can get your attention, this is what the world knows. If I can get your attention and I can get you to focus on something long enough, I can pretty sure change the way that you think. And when I change the way that you think, I can change the actions of your life. And so, again, the world has been doing that through marketing. Again, today's the biggest day. We've talked about this Super Bowl Sunday. You, know, you remember people used to pay $5 million for 30 seconds of advertising. Why? Why would anybody pay $5 million for 30 seconds of advertising? Because here's what they knew. There's a lot of people with focused attention today, right? There's a lot of people that are probably going to be wearing the Super or watching the Super Bowl. There's going to be focus, and we're going to put, you know, ads out there to be able to sway your opinion. Now, I told you this a couple weeks ago. That's changed. A lot of people have pulled their ads. So if you're waiting for the great Super Bowl commercials, there ain't that many of them this year. Because you know what they figured out? They can reach you through your phone. They don't need to pay $5 million dollars. Right? They can be on your social media feeds, they can be on your Instagram, they can be on your Twitter, they can be on your Snapchat, they can be on your TikTok, and they can sway you just as much through your phone as what they did on TV. And honestly, you know what else they figured out? You spend way more time on your phone than you do watching TV. Right? So the whole idea of trying to advertise through TV isn't working anymore, but people have figured out that through your phones you can do this. Now, Here's why this is so important. There is a battle for the way that you think, and we know what the world's trying to do with that. But the other thing that we need to remember is, is that you have an enemy, right, in Satan, who is also warring for your mind, and this is why. So this is some really good news and some really tough news maybe to hear, but here's the great thing. If you're a Christian here today, Satan cannot steal your salvation. Right? Satan isn't going to steal your salvation, but here's what he does know, that if he can distract you, he can make you ineffective. Right? He knows that if he can get you to be distracted or think a certain way or get your mind wrapped up in things that it shouldn't, that he can make you completely ineffective when it comes to reaching people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, guess what? There is a war for your mind. And Satan knows that if he can get your attention and get you distracted, that he can move you into places that will make you ineffective. You won't lose your salvation, you'll just lose your effectiveness. So we told you, if you know there's a war for your mind, you probably should be training. 
You should be trying to figure out. You should get some tools in your arsenal to try to know what to do to combat um, that war for your mind. Then last week we talked about, it's pretty important about what you dwell on, right? So, So Paul talks about this idea that things that we should actually dwell on, not just that, you know, understanding of, of what we think and that there's a battle, but the things that you dwell on or the things that you spend a lot of time with, again, will change the way that you think. And so he said last week, remember this, you need to think about, this is what he would say, what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is trustworthy, right? Like he goes all the way through and he says, there's this list of things that you need to do. And if you focus on these things, right, like we talked about last week, like we got to determine right and wrong, right? In the world, and I've even said, unfortunately, I think this has happened in the church, said the church's definition of right and wrong has been defined in a different way than it's ever been defined before, meaning that it's the Bible plus other books or the Bible plus other leaders or the Bible plus other podcast people, and that's how they determine truth. And, and we said, let's be very clear, it's the Bible plus nothing. That's the truth, right? We're not adding to it. I don't care what any popular speaker says or any author says. At the end of the day, it's the Bible plus nothing. He said, dwell on it because the world and even inside of the church, it's shifting on what truth really is. So we better be prepared for it and we better understand what those things are. And if you do it, this is what he says, if you dwell on the right things, then I will guard, this is Jesus saying, I will guard your heart and I will guard your mind. Which I'm like, I don't know if I'd want anybody else guard, and that's a pretty good guard in having Jesus Christ as somebody who's going to protect us. So he said, if you dwell on the right things, he will be your guard. Now this week, here's what we want to talk about. How do we handle situations, and this is what Paul is going to help us learn from today. How do you handle situations when you run into obstacles inside of life, like when life doesn't go the way that you want it to go, right? What do you do when you wanted life to turn out a certain way? Anybody ever been there? Like you had these dreams and then you got to this point and then you're like, well, this isn't the way it's supposed to work, right? Like I thought at this age, this would be, or I thought at this age, this would be, or I thought, you know, I never expected to be sick. I never expected to get cancer. I never expected to lose somebody that I love. I never expected to be divorced. I never expected, anybody tracking with me? Right, like there's this, this, these things just happen, right? And here's why it's so important to address this. When we look at obstacles in life, this is the thing that we have to understand. You're not going to get out of them. You know, it's not that people go through life and never experience obstacles. You're going to experience obstacles. Our response to those those obstacles are going to change not only our own faith, but the faith of us around, uh, those around us. And that's what we're going to focus on talking about today. And here's why, okay? Paul knew this, and, and I'll speak from my own personal journey. I know this. When you have a plan for your life and your plan gets interrupted, you have two choices, right? And I'll just tell you what, you know, normally happens with people. I had a plan and somebody I love got cancer. And you're like, well, that's not the way that it was supposed to go. And the first thing that you do, you'd be like, why would God let my wife get cancer? Right? I mean... Anybody else? Like, you pick whatever you want in that list, right? Like, why would God, somebody who loves me, who I thought had this plan, 
And I thought the plan was supposed to be good. This isn't good. How does this work? The person that you love the most gets cancer. The person that you love the most dies. The person you love the most gets divorced. The person that you love the most. How does that work? And so we look to God and we're like, God, what, do, you, do, you realize, do you know what's happening? Do you know how I feel? Do you know what's going on? And unfortunately, unfortunately, if you go back in the journey of most people's life, the time that they didn't, not that they walked away from God, but drifted away from God is when life got weird and things weren't going the way they were supposed to go. And they looked up to God and said, this doesn't make any sense. And I'm going to go out and try to make sense of it myself because living under your authority didn't make any sense. I thought you were going to protect me. Why would you let him get cancer? Why would you let him die? Why would you let these things happen in my life? Paul's saying, listen, you got to reframe your thinking. Because here's the guarantee, okay? Here's the one thing that he tells us as believers of Jesus Christ. In this world, you will experience pain and obstacles and tragedy. It's the only guarantee I can give you. Now, here's what's so important about what he's going to teach us here in a second. But if you reframe it, if you, if you think about it differently, it will change your response. And he's saying, what Paul's going to teach us, what I want your response to be is when life's not going right, or it's not turning out the way that you thought it would be, I want you to press more into me, Jesus would say, than walk away. And I want you to understand where God fits in this whole picture instead of seeing God as somebody who's distant and doesn't really care. So if you have a Bible, turn to Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians 1, and it's going to be verses 12 through 14. So I'm going to give you a little history. So do you remember when we talked about uh, in Scripture before, Jesus said to all of his disciples at the end of his life, I have a job for you to do. Here's the job that I have for you. I want you to go out and I want you to preach the gospel to all nations, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's your job. So while you're still on this earth, he says you got a responsibility. Your responsibility is to preach the gospel, and when I leave from you, that's my expectation. Well, then comes along Paul, right? And so Paul gets, meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he's blinded. But Jesus gives the same message to Paul over a three-year time in Arabia right? He sits with Jesus in Arabia by himself. Jesus gives him the same message. I need you to go out into all nations, preaching the gospel, taking it out into, you know, all the, uh, the world, into the ends of the earth. Now, one of the things I think that we forget is this wasn't just like they all got together and they're, you know, they, they, they sit in a room and they're like, okay, Jesus told us we need to go out, we need to reach all people. So everybody put cities in a hat and then somebody draw out the city and that's where you're going. Like, hey, Wabash, or hey, you know, Monroe, or hey, Huntington, you know, that's not how it worked. These people got together and said, we need to be strategic. And there are strategic places on the map that if we reach Corinth, if we reach Ephesus, if we reach, you know, they went around and they said, if we reach these cities, you know what will happen? Because they're epicenters of culture because they were trade routes where tons of people went through. If you reach the city, what will happen? Exponentially the gospel will grow because you reached a city where tons of people are going to pass through. You reached a city where it's going to have a lot of influence. Here's, here's the other part of it. So they laid it out and said, strategically, we need to reach these cities, but here's the other thing that we need to do, right? Like this was really important to all of them that talked about it, whether you were Paul or the apostles. 
we need to reach Rome. Rome, once we reach Rome, because they're infiltrated in all of the cities, right? The Roman government and the Roman people are in all of the cities. If we could reach and change Rome, we would have a chance for the expanse of the gospel to be greater than it could ever be. So you know what Paul's dream was? To go to Rome, right? That was Paul's dream. Like, I want to go to Rome, and when I go to Rome, I want to preach the gospel. When I preach the gospel, I want to see thousands of people saved because it's the epicenter of everything that we're doing. So guess what? Paul gets to go to Rome in chains on his way to a jail cell, being waited to be executed. How many people are saying, hey, man, that's just how it was planned? Right? Now think about this. If you were the people that sat in the war room, right, laying out on the map, we're going to do, and this is the people that we're going to reach, and this is how we're going to do it, and we're going to lay it all out, and Paul, you're going to be the one that's going to take the gospel to Rome, and we're going to be praying for you, and you're sitting in the war room, and all of a sudden you get, you know, a call on your cell phone, hey, Paul was arrested, and he's in change, and he's going to jail. How do you think the war, war, war room would react? Do you think they're all cheering? No. The plan is now blown up. He's going to be in jail. We're never going to be able to reach him. Everything is thwarted. All of our idea of the gospel being spread, what are we going to do? Right? What about Paul? Plan to go as a free man to preach the gospel in the middle of these cities and see throngs of people be able to come to know Jesus Christ. And now he's sailing there in change, and he's going to spend the next two years of his life in a jail cell with the idea of being executed. Is he thinking, God, a great plan? That would be no, just in case you were wondering, right? It would be the same way you would respond. Are any of you guys responding when you're going along in life, and all of a sudden you get a curveball, and you'll be like, God, thank you so much for that. <laughs> and that was a good one. You know, thanks for the sickness. Thanks for the relationship hiccup. Thanks for the, you know what I mean? Like nobody's sitting there going, thanks for interrupting my life. Thanks for making this part of my life way more difficult. Like it would have been way easier if Paul could have just got on the Disney cruise ship and headed over to Rome and, and enjoyed everybody on there and then got off and went out for an excursion, preached the gospel and got back on the ship. Who wouldn't pick that plan? But that's not the plan. And see, that's what's so important. Because this is your life too. Pick your situation. We've all had them. Right? Everybody has had these situations in their life. You had a plan. The plan got interrupted. And your response to the plan, that's what Paul's saying. Your response to this, we have to reframe the way that you're thinking. Because if you don't reframe the way that you're thinking, you're going to spend a lot of your time mad at God, right? Because it's not going the way that you wanted it to be. Remember I told you guys a long time ago, somebody told me this motto that, that I try to live by, you know, all of my life and says, listen, life is not fair. And if you believe life is fair, you'll spend all of your life arguing with God because life's not fair. People are weird. And if you don't think people are weird, you will spend your entire life arguing with people. But at the end of the day, love's the bottom line. Right? Like, you can't change what's going on. 
I've already, and I'll tell you some of these stories as we go on. Listen, I think life's way unfair. You know, there are people, and I've just told you this before, there are people that I think deserve something and they never get it, and the people that don't deserve it, they, I'm like, these people are great people. God, are you watching? (laughs) Do you know? Do you have any idea? Because I could point out a few others you could do that to, and I'd be completely fine with it. (laughs) Right? Tell me that you haven't looked at certain situations and say they don't deserve it, but they do. Right? I just know, I mean, okay, you're not, I think that way. I think there's been a lot of things that haven't been fair in the lives of people. And I, and I don't think it should be that way. So Paul teaches us, I need you to reframe your thinking. And if you reframe your thinking, how you live inside of a world that you can't remove obstacles, you can't remove pain, you can't remove cancer, you can't remove death, you can't remove relationship breakup, you can't remove them all, so I'm going to teach you how to reframe your thinking in a way that keeps you effective for the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? All right, so Philippians 1, let's read all the way through it. So Philippians 1, we're going to start in verse 12. We're going to read all the way through it, and then we're going to talk about what he says. Starting in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result... It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in change for Christ. And because of my change, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all of the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he teaches us some principles. How do you reframe your thinking? He starts with this. You have to understand your purpose in life. If you are a Christian person and you don't know, so we'll just bring it all back together right now. We'll make this easy. If you are a Christian person in this room, you have one purpose, right? The one purpose is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone. That's your purpose, right? Once your purpose is over on this earth, here's the other thing that Paul's helping us understand. Heaven is way better than earth. Let me reframe, say it again. I know it's hard to believe. Heaven is way better than earth, and that once you are there, you're not going to want to come back. So here's what he's saying. While you're on this earth, you have a purpose. The purpose is to spread the gospel, and it's going to be difficult. But at the end of the day, here's what Paul rested on, and all of us need to rest on this. The God that gives us life, right, and knows us while we're in the womb, is also the God that knows when the purpose in our life is done is our last days on this earth. But while you're here, right, just make, did that make sense what I said? I just want to make sure, right? He knows our days, right? This is what scripture says, our days are numbered. Yes, yes, days are numbered, right? When you're born and when you're going to die, days are numbered. Inside of that, you have purpose on this earth. So that's when Paul gets in these situations and he's like, everybody's like, how could Paul respond like this when he figures out that he might end up dying, getting his head lopped off by the Roman government? Because here's what Paul knows. It doesn't matter. My last day has already been determined. What I'm supposed to be doing until my last day comes has already been determined. Circumstances of life are not going to get me off my purpose. 
I don't care what happens. Sickness, death, cancer, relationship breakups, death in the family is not going to get me off my purpose. My purpose is to spread the gospel. It's not going to speed up my last day. It's not going to prolong my last day. While I'm here on this earth, I have a job. And when we live that way, right, and when we start thinking that way, it changes how we view circumstances, right? That, and, and, and believe me, I know this. I mean, for me personally, I've had my own, like, arguments with God of like, this doesn't make any sense type of things. Like, why would this ever happen, you know, in these things? But I have to trust that everything that happens on this earth is filtered through the hand of God. He sees, he knows, he's watching, it's all a part of this, right? I can't think that things happen on accident, that he's involved and that he cares in in the midst of this. The other thing that we need to recognize, or the thing that we need to, to reframe is, He tells us, your life will be full of obstacles, okay? Now, Isaac um, is going to do the Spartan race, like he's pretty excited about this. And here's what he said, hey, dad, you want to do the Spartan race with me? I don't know if any of the rest of you looking at this body, but it doesn't look too prepared for the Spartan race. He says, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's a 5K with 20 obstacles. I says, is there an age group for fat old people? And do you get like these little quarters that you get a pass by the obstacles you can't do is like a just get by free thing, you know? And he's laughing because, you know, he wants me to do it. And again, he encourages me all the time. He works out and he's really dedicated and I'm not. And he's trying to get me, you know, to be dedicated and, you know, care about my health and stick with all of that. But here's the funny thing. So Isaac goes, you know, to do this, this Spartan race, and let's just say he's in the training process. He doesn't really look up what's going on in the Spartan race. He just knows that he's going to go out there and he's going to jog or he's going to run. So he trains to just run in a straight line on a pavement road, right? And he's going to run, he's going to train, and he's going to be in great shape, right? Every day he's going to get up and he's going to go out and he's going to run on the pavement road. Not going to be any hills. He's going to pick the flattest ones. But cardiovascularly, training-wise, he's ready for a 5K, And then he shows up at Attica, Indiana, where the Spartan race is, and he starts looking at all the obstacles and the hills and the things, nothing that he trained for. What do you think that he's going to do? I'm not doing that. (laughs) Right? Well, maybe he's way more strong-minded than me, but I'd be like, I'm not doing that. I'm not. Those obstacles, I can't do. I didn't train for the obstacles. There's no way that I can do this. So because of that, I'm going to quit. Somebody show me the flat road. I'll run on the flat road, but not with obstacles. That's no different than faith today. Too many Christian people are training for a flat road with no obstacles and pavement, and they're out there running every day. And as long as they can run on the pavement, they never have to go up hills and never run any obstacles. They're like, amen, Jesus, we love you. Raise your hands, come to church. But the first time they get to the road that has the obstacle, they're like, where's the way around this road? Come on, right? The church is telling you, give your life to Jesus Christ. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, the pavement is clear and open and flat, and you're not going to get sick, and you're going to make money, and your marriage is going to be healed, and everything's going to be right, and you're never going to have a problem again. And you start running down that road, and then all of a sudden there's this big hill, and you're like, big hill? I'm not going up the big hill. Nobody said anything about a big hill. Nobody said that I had to be prepared for obstacles, and I want you to listen. 
There are people that are living out their faith just like that. They're coming up and they get to these places on the road and they've been running on the flat road for a while and they come to the obstacle piece of it and they're like, oh, is that road flat or I want that road? And they just go and they go down that road because in their mind they believe avoiding obstacles is what God would want for me. Making life easy was what God would want for me. I'm going to tell you something. You remember when I told you everybody has their own race? So everybody in this room has a race that is set for them. That's what Scripture tells us. You know what else is set on your road for your race? Your obstacles. And they are different than everybody else's. You know why? He needs you to go through this obstacle because in your life down the road another mile is somebody that's going to need your help going through the same obstacle. And you can say, I've been there. I've done that. I experienced this. There's hope on the other side. And I'm not just saying there's hope on the other side. I'm going to help you walk this journey. You know why I can help you walk this journey? I've been on this journey. I went through this struggle. I can tell you how the Lord stays with me. I can tell you how the Lord has comforted me. And I'm going to walk this journey with you. And if you go around the road, you're missing God's plan for your life. If you're unwilling to say, listen, and I don't like it any better than you do, (laughs) I don't like it any better than you do that there are obstacles in life. But here's what I believe. Those obstacles are to prepare me for what's to come. And every obstacle that I face is an obstacle to prepare me to, to speak into the life of somebody else to say, I've been there. I've done that. And I can tell you, inside of this obstacle, you're not going to do it alone. Not only am I going to walk with you, let me tell you how Jesus walked with me. And when somebody's standing there, because I I mean, I've seen so many people do this in life. They get to the obstacle and there's like, I can't make it. I can't get through. It's too big. It's too overwhelming. It's too, like, there can't be anything good that comes out of this. And I've had this in my life. I have. I've come to these places and I'm like... That's too big. That's, we're never going to be able to overcome this hurdle. Put whatever that hurdle is. And then somebody comes back from down the road and be like, it's all right. It's a big hurdle. We'll get over it. We'll get through it. How do you know we're going to get through it? I've been there. How do you know that God want? I've been there, right? And so if you're in your journey right now, please hear me out. I know, I know you don't want to hear this. The obstacles in your life are there for a reason. He's preparing you for a greater work. Do not go around the obstacles. He is preparing you for something. Stay in your lane. Stay in the race. Go through the obstacles. If you've been through, you will be there to help the people get it. Paul would tell us, reframe your thinking. Because in most of our life, you've trained yourself to run around obstacles. He's saying, go through them because I have something for you on the other end. The other thing is, don't miss your opportunities. Listen, I, because I am a forward thinker, I'm always dissatisfied with where I am. Anybody else ever been there like, oh my gosh, really? Can I just get to the next place? Because if I just got to the next place, then the next place is way better than this place, right? Like, just give me over there. So I have, in my life, missed opportunities to just be like, I'm here today for a reason. 
I'm at this spot for a reason. I'm going to look around, and instead of looking how to get out of it, I'm going to look around and take advantage of the opportunity. Now listen to this. You know how Paul was talking about they wanted to reach Rome? I think this is so cool. So Paul wants to reach Rome, right? Specifically, they said, and Jewish history will tell us about this, and you can also read it in Scripture, they specifically wanted to reach the palace guard. Okay? Here's why. You would work inside of the palace guard for a while, and after you worked inside of the palace guard for a while, they were the only elite group inside of the Roman army that would retire with great wages, and then they would take these guys and put them in influential communities, and they would be called kingmakers because they were financially well-off, and they were very influential in any place that they went. So from the beginning... Christians were saying, if you could reach the Praetorian or the palace guard, and then once they go out, can you imagine the spread of the gospel? Because now the guard is out in all these places, and they have money and kingmakers. Now, we're all sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, they're never going to be able to reach them, and they're all planning on, oh, we wanted to reach these people. Now Paul's going to be arrested, and Paul's like, wait a second. You know what happens? You know what happens when you go to jail in a Roman jail? You don't get solitary confinement, and you don't get a cellmate. You know what you get? The Praetorian or the palace guard chained to you for eight hours a day. Think about this. The captive audience of the palace guard is now chained to Paul for eight hours a day. And for two years, the palace guard changed people. And for eight hours a day, Paul preached the gospel to these people. And what do you think happened? People were converted influential people took the gospel out because Paul in change took advantage of the opportunity he was in instead of looking out for an opportunity somewhere else. Don't miss your opportunity looking somewhere else, right? Your opportunity, you're here. You're where you're at and where you're going for a reason. Don't miss it looking for something else. Paul took advantage of the opportunity and the gospel spread because he said, in change or not in change, what better place to preach the gospel? And it changed everybody. The band's going to come back up, and I want to finish with this, right? Because this is really important when you think it through it. So... Um, Remember when I talked to you guys about, and, and I've said this numerous different times, but I want to make sure that we track on the same page, how you respond to things affects people, right? So I've said this a lot. So dads and grandpas and father figures, I want you to think about this for a second. You might not know that this is true, but I've talked to enough people that I've seen this. Children or people younger than you that look at father figures view their heavenly father through the lens of what they grew up with as an earthly father. Okay? So many times when people are looking at, like, trying to understand Father God, you know how they try to understand? Through Father Hill, right? Like the dad, not Father Hill, that sounded weird. <laughs> Not a father in that way, right? But you know what I'm saying, right? Like dad. Like they're going to view what God is like. So if you are a merciful, loving father, how do you think then your children will look at the God of the universe as a merciful and loving father? If you are an authoritarian, if you are one that, you know, is legalistic, how do you think that they will view their, their father in heaven 
Right? And I'm not just saying that as dads to kids. I'm saying that in general to people, they view Jesus and God through the lens that they think of the people that know him, right? And through the things that you do. So here's how Paul ends it, which is so incredible to me. This is what he says at the end. So he says this in verse 14. Because of my change, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You see, two things happened. Because Paul took advantage of his opportunity, he reached the Praetorian Guard, which then spread out and reached a lot of people, which is pretty cool, right? But you know what else he did? Because he lived on purpose, because he understood his role and his responsibility, because he, without fear, preached the gospel in a Roman prison, it changed the way everybody else viewed their own role, right? So now these people who were fearful of spreading the gospel now all of a sudden are spreading the gospel, right? They're saying without fear now because we just watched Paul and what he went through, now because I watched him, all of a sudden now he's out there and, and I can do what he did. So I told you this story, and I, and I feel sorry for all you guys that have been here for 17 years because you've heard it enough, but I'm going to tell you again. <laughs> I had a splintered relationship with my dad and mom uh, when the kids were little. Never really saw them. Sherry and I made a decision. We should probably, like, get that back together. <laughs> you know, it's probably not a great idea that the kids don't ever know their grandma and grandpa. And so I called my mom, and she was so excited because we said, hey, Sunday after church, we're going to come over to the house. You know, and she you just had to know my mom. She was so excited that we were going to come over. And we got over there, and I helped my dad change brakes on his Dakota, and we're working together. And, and mom has taken Lexi, who was just six months old at the time, driving her around on a tractor, you know, a little garden tractor. My mom's smile was so big, and I'm like, God, thank you, right? I thought my kids were going to grow up without grandparents, and now you've restored that. And then I get a call from the Indiana State Police at 9 o'clock in the morning at Zerker Tire saying, your mom driving down the road got dizzy, pulled off the side of the road, and died instantly. That was Sunday. This was Monday. <laughs> I'm like, that's not the way it's supposed to work. She would have been the best grandma ever. The one screaming from the crowd, the one supporting all the time. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Aren't moms supposed to grow up to be grandmas and rock babies and support them from the stands and be there for them and do all the things that grandmas are supposed to do? Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? And it didn't work! <laughs> I'm like, if you can't tell it in my voice, I was like, I'm a little bit mad. And I'll never forget, her twin sister came up to me before the funeral and said this, Hey, I just want to talk to you before everybody comes walking in, before everybody comes through this viewing line. I want you to understand something today. How you respond to this situation will be to the world that's ready to walk through the type of Jesus that you really serve. Because here's what I want you to know. You praise Jesus in the good times. 
You praised Jesus when everything was going right. You praised Jesus when your youth group was growing. You praised Jesus when you were getting opportunities to preach. You praised Jesus when everything was right in your life. Are you telling me today that you're not going to praise Jesus because your mom is now in heaven, in her home? You're not going to praise Jesus? Because what people see in these coming hours is the type of Jesus that we serve. And that's what Paul's trying to say to everybody in this room. The world is watching. How will you respond when life's interrupted? How will you respond when life isn't going the way that you think that it should go? Because he's saying to each one of us, we need to get this right. Why? Because the people closest to us, when we go through these obstacles, God's preparing us to share the gospel. God's preparing us to share his love. And people outside are looking for the courage to know that they can face the trials, know that they can face the, the things that go on in this world. They're waiting for somebody to show them, this is the God that I serve in the good times and the times that are not so good. And for us as Christian people, what example will we give? Will you stand so I can pray for you? So Heavenly Father, when we come to you today, Lord, we understand, and I, I know more than ever, Lord, that when life gets interrupted and it doesn't go the way that I like it, there's times I just want to be like, what is going on? And Lord, when I face the obstacles of life, it's so easy to think, just let me go around them. It'd be so much easier, but today, Lord, I pray that you give us the courage to push through. I pray, Lord, today there are people in this room that are standing in front of obstacle in life. Lord, I just feel like this is what you're saying today. There are people standing, and the obstacle in front of them is so big, and they, they have no idea that they're ever going to get through. Lord, I pray that today you will lay your hands on them and say, it's okay. I'm with you. We'll do this together. I pray that for we as a people who have been through obstacles of life will listen to the Holy Spirit when he calls us to go back and help people through the obstacles of life. Don't abandon them. Don't try to get them out of it, but help them through it. You and Jesus together. And may we as Christian people, Lord, through whatever the circumstances of life bring, may we bring glory to you. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
I just want to leave us with this. So if you're out here today and you're at the edge of those obstacles in life and you're looking at circumstances of life and you don't know how to respond, know today that don't walk around them. You know, don't, don't try to, to, to pass you know, around the other side. Know that God will help you through all of those obstacles. Know that he's preparing us on our journey for the things that he has in our lives. And know that we as Christians, the world's watching. And how we respond in these coming months, I told you, in these months to come, we don't know what it is to bring, but the world is watching as Christians, and that's how we respond to the things that, that, the, that are going to happen to us in life. So we, we be a people that regardless of our circumstances, glorify him and spread his name into this world. So thanks everybody for being here with us. Thanks for being online. Thanks to the youth and the worship band and everything that they did today. Great uh, to see them and praise God of, of the things that they're doing in life. Thanks for being with us and we'll see you guys next week.